My podcast uh, last week was picking up on what I thought were the advantages of the European Economic Area exit strategy, and it's uh, triggered quite a lot of interest. A lot of intelligent questions have come out of it, and I thought perhaps I'd just revisit it and focus up on a few things uh, and maybe use an analogy or two to explain why I think that exit strategy is the right one. Now, don't misunderstand me, vote leave. I am about vote leave. I was a founder member of UKIP. I've been involved in the out movement now since 1992. So I haven't changed my approach or views in any way. I want out. So let's get that one out of the way. Vote leave. Now the question is, what are our immediate problems? Uh, First of all, we have a suicidal immigration problem. Most of our immigration problems, over 50% of our immigrants, don't come from the EU. Uh, They come from outside the EU. They come from alien cultures. They have different systems of law. They have different religions. And broadly speaking, I don't know why many of them come. They are broadly also hostile to, uh, to us and our way of life. That is the most immediate problem that we have. That's problem number one. And we now know... Uh, that the emergency break that David Cameron was trying to negotiate was vetoed by the Germans. And I didn't know that when I cast last week. We know that now. So if I may use an analogy, we have a hole in the roof. The water's pouring in. It's completely and totally destroying our furniture, our bedding. It's destroying everything in our house. Now, the first thing we need to do when that happens is to put a tarpaulin over the roof. We need to stop the deluge coming in. We need to get that tarpaulin over the roof. Now, Vote Leave does that. Vote Leave does that. That means we can immediately press the the buzzer with absolutely no more immigration from outside the EU, which is our main problem. And I believe that going via the economic free zone of uh, Europe, going that route, going the EFTA route, would give us some thinking time, some time to brace up and work out whether we want a new tile roof or a slate roof. Uh, We don't want to do anything in a rush. And when we get out of the political entrapment, we can start sitting back and working out how best we can go forward from there. We can get back after vote leave. We can get control over our own agricultural policy, fishing policy, uh, domestic judicial policy. Uh, We can control our borders vis-a-vis immigrants. And, of course, we can have that emergency break, as I said before, under 102 of the agreements for the EEA. So we can have the emergency break uh, on immigration. Uh, And we could actually do a lot of this stuff now, although Cameron hasn't done it. Uh, he, He hasn't done it. But we could do a lot of this stuff now. Now, the main point is that it looks again in the latest week's figures show that it's almost equally divided between half the people want in and half the people want out. And I say again, I think the important electoral strategy on this is that the people that want to remain aren't Euro fanatics. They don't believe in a United States of Europe. They don't believe in a federal Europe. That's only a very few of them. Most of them take the view, oh gosh, I don't really want to be in. I don't like the EU, but I'm very frightened of what happens. I'm frightened of my job if we leave. Now, of course, uh, outers of long standing know that the concept of needing political union in order to train is absurd. But you can't help what people believe. Some people will not 
walk under a ladder. Some people think it's bad luck if a black cat crosses their path in the morning. You can't change what people fundamentally believe, however irrationally. So this particular option, exit strategy, is to say, look, for three years, we will try the European Free Trade uh, Agreement. We'll try that. It works for Switzerland. It works for Norway. It works for its other members. And while we're in that, we can go about our business in the rest of the world, expanding as a great maritime trading power. We can expand our trade with the rest of the world without waiting for the slowest, most lethargic member of the European Union. Yes, we lose a vote. We don't get a vote, vote at the European Union, but of course our great export market is America, uh, the United States of America, and we export there all the time. It's our biggest customer, single country customer. We don't expect a seat in Congress, do we? We don't expect a vote in Congress. Well, we don't expect a vote uh, with the EU, but what we do get in exchange is a much better bet. We get a vote on the WTO. So if I may use the analogy there, we lose our vote on the parish council, but we regain our vote on the district council. So the WTO is where the big boys play, and we're back up there with the big boys instead of the parochial, uh, anachronistic, slow system that the European Union has been uh, running uh, since the mid-1950s, a creature of the past. So that actually works. And another thought, which isn't explained enough to people, that 95% of an economy, and I put on my research economist hat here unashamedly, most of an economy is the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, the cab driver, the hairdresser, the school teacher. Most of us have absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with trade with the European Union. Only about 5% of us have anything to do with the EU. Now, given that more than 50% of our trade now is outside the EU, that brings it down to nearly 2% just over 2% of people. That's two people in a 100 having anything to do with the European Union at all. And yet we have to put up with all the footling rules and regulations that spew from Brussels all the time. So the tail's wagging the dog. So it isn't government by facts and all this sort of nonsense uh, that people uh, denigrate the EFTA system. It's just making sure that those two people out of 100, if they want to export things to the European Union, they have to meet those requirements. The rest of us can go about our business. So the other 98 people out of 100 can go about their business uh, and we can develop elsewhere. And as I say, it gives us back our major controls over agriculture, fishing, uh, domestic policy and all those other things that we've given up. So I think it's a very good option. I think it's a sound option. And I'm quite sure, as I go out electioneering on this, an awful lot of people who are dithering, who aren't quite sure, would say, oh, do you mean that if we tick this box, we can have uh, all the bits that we want, but without the political union? The answer is yes. I think they say, oh, well, that's done it for me. That's settled it for me. I'm going to vote leave. And we can suck it and see, can't we? And if after a few years we don't like it and it doesn't work, uh, we can come out of that. But when I visit Norway, as I have, and Switzerland, as I have, most people there would argue it isn't perfect, they don't pretend it's perfect, uh, but it's not bad, and it's certainly a whole heap better than political union. Plus, of course, they always tell me, the Swiss and my Norwegian chums tell me, 
We are, of course, in the United Kingdom, huge customers of the EU. We are in a position to negotiate much more strongly than Switzerland or Norway, whose main export markets are the EU. Uh, we are not uh, in the same place at all from a negotiate, negotiating position. And they say, please come, please join us, because with you, we will be the fourth biggest uh, free trade area in the world. Uh, and we can negotiate even better deals uh, with the European Union than we've already got. Again, I say, I think we have to put something in the short window, which isn't just uh, vote leave. We've got to say, yes, vote leave. We want out. But here's a much better world. Not perfect. Not pretending it's perfect. But it's a whole heap better. And we can try it. And if we don't like it, we can move on from there. Do consider this, please.